My name is David Orban, and I am very glad to have all of you following the show. Before we start, uh, I want to remind you that uh, even if uh, we are live, you can always watch past episodes both on Facebook and on YouTube. And on YouTube, you can also subscribe to the channel. We also have a Discord community, and I invite you to join on davidorban.com slash Discord. And finally, if you find the show valuable, as well as the other content that I produce together with my team and the knowledge that I share, you're welcome to become a supporter on Patreon at patreon.com slash davidorban. Today's episode is about executive coaching. What is coaching and, and is it effective in producing sustainable value? Executive coaching aims to help you develop into the best leader you can be to become more self-aware, understand your core beliefs and how they hold you potentially back, address your more challenging issues and help you see around corners, set you on a more effective track with your key performance indicators, manage and hire a team more experienced than yourself. This is what is on uh, the website of uh, today's guest, uh, Dale Stevens, uh, who is here with us uh, to let us understand how he helps executive learn to thrive under pressure, to prioritize what truly matters and overcome their ego when making business decisions. So, Hello, Dale, and welcome to Searching for the Question Live. Nice to be here. Let me grab my puppy real fast. She's uh, she's making making noises. I'm sorry. Oh, that's fine. Absolutely. Please uh, bring her into the stream with us. Yes. Cute puppy content can, can only help, right? Of course, of course. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm doing really well. Thanks so much for having me here. And um, uh, we met uh, originally... Uh, when you were in kindergarten, or almost, uh, because you were part of uh, the, the Teal uh, Fellowship, the first uh, inaugural year. And at that time, you were um, uh, really concentrating on how to empower people at a different age than executives, uh, as they were wondering whether they should go to college themselves or not. You created an organization around it and, and wrote a book and then moved on. Um, tell me, uh, through that period, uh, how that uh, uh, experience helped you uh, and and uh, what did you learn? And then how did you arrive to where you are now? Well, there's, there's a lot that I wish I had known um, when I was starting my first company. Um, and at the same time, you know, the person I am today is a collection of the experiences that I've had. Um, and there's no way that I could have gotten here without going through the trials and tribulations of starting a company when I was 19, which I wouldn't recommend to anyone else for the record. Um, it's a really hard thing to do to prioritize something else above your own personal development um, at a time that's really critical. And you're asking the questions of who am I? What do I believe? Who am I in relation to myself and my parents and the world? Um, and I, we did some work and I, I built a coaching program internally at Uncollege that was more, just, that was more focused on uh, the really explicit accountability of coaching 
I want to do a thing. Can I help you do the thing? I'll help you get there. Um, and as I delved deeper into my own therapy and coaching, as I got later in my twenties, um, I realized that, you know, the Herculean effort that it took to get a company off the ground, um, really comes often from a place of not feeling good enough. Um, in my case, I stuttered really badly as a kid um, and made up a story about how I needed to work hard to prove that I was good enough. And I see that time and time again with clients and entrepreneurs that I work with. Somehow there's some story around not being good enough. Um, and it's both required in many ways to have the energy to, to get a company off the ground. And at some point that same thing becomes maladaptive um, because it often results in believing that you can solve all the problems to yourself, um, not taking feedback well, all those kinds of things. Um, and I think the, the key is really learning when to make the transition and when to start being aware of, hmm, you know, this experience that I've had that I bring with me has served me really well in these ways. And now maybe it's not serving me quite as well. And I need to be more aware of that and, and understand how I can use it now to my and so you decided, having gone through that experience uh, and having uh, built the, the, the system internally to your first startup, that it was something that you wanted to do really uh, as, as your next stage, as your current uh, calling or, or profession. Is that right? Yeah, exactly. And meeting, meeting clients in that stage of really coming to understand wow, what are these core beliefs that I have that might be holding me back? And how do I change them into something that can drive me forward is what I really care about and I find really fun. Um, because it's it's just so transformational um, when you can harness them in, in the right direction. Um, and it's so rewarding to see clients really change who they are and how they show up with their businesses and, and drive really concrete uh, growth in a short period of time. Um, when they change how they show up. So um, is coaching what you said, and, and, and you said it multiple times, uh, the, the ability to recognize the, the core set of beliefs that, drives, uh, that drive us and then being able to examine them in a more detached manner in order to uh, reaffirm them or to abandon them if we are seeing that they are not uh, appropriate for serving us in achieving our goals. Is is that in some way a core activity in coaching? That is absolutely a core a core part of coaching. And I I think if you think if you want a, a more specific definition of coaching, coaching is really about the relationship between the coach and the coachee, and you're creating a space where you can create together. Um, when I work with clients, I'm not giving them advice and not telling them what to do. Um, I'm asking them questions and, and challenging them and pushing them to think in different and bigger ways. Um, and I think that's, that's one of the, you know, there's often uh, people in, in the startup world where most of my clients sit are often used to working with mentors or advisors and are expecting me to sit down and say, you need to do X, you need to do Y. And that's not what coaching is at all. Um, and, and 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 absolutely, that was my follow follow on question, because uh, I personally has been in the position of being a, a, an advisor, uh, mm -hmm. 
many times to to companies and and uh, that is also a key as i see things you are more an advisor of a of a company than an advisor of a person even though sometimes you are asked to be an advisor of a person and that means that you are looking at business practices and you are looking at how a given area or the whole startup is structured and you are advising the ceo or 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 a vp or whatever whoever they are in both what they are doing but also what the company should be doing and and uh, i often uh, tell the uh, the 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 people that i am advising or the company that i'm advising pay attention because my advice is not necessarily what you need to do or you need to be or you need to become is what is best for the company and there could be some uh, divergence in in the two and yep. then as far as mentorship is concerned which i do less frequently but um, I, I i also do that is definitely more about the professional development of an individual um, where they they are in a, on a given trajectory and you want to help them uh, understand that trajectory and support them in, in advancing on, on that trajectory. And, and I have been asked to be a coach uh, infrequently, but, but sometimes. And I always declined because i felt that i i a little bit what you just said about the 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 relationship between the coach and the and the client that the kind of investment also in the personal development and and breaching that barrier that really requires the client i think and, and you will tell me if this is true to open uh, the boundary, including their personal lives, is is something that I didn't feel I I was ready to to over overcome. So I, I said a lot of things. Let's stay, take a couple of steps back. Um, please define how you see the difference between being an advisor, a mentor, and a coach, and then let's talk more about the personal relationship between the coach and the client. Advising is just what you said. Your client is the company rather than the individual. Coaching is defined by always wearing the hat of what is best for this individual's learning. Um, and I, I liked how you encapsulated mentorship about being around professional development on a specified path. I think the difference between mentorship and coaching is that coaching is less specified. We start a coaching relationship and define a hypothesis about where this individual wants to go and where they and how they want to grow, but that may change over time, and we we revisit that at certain points. Um, I think it's it's common for a coach to have domain expertise, um, but it's not necessarily required. Um, and you can be a good coach without having domain expertise. You can be a great coach without having domain expertise. Um, I think it's hard to be an exceptional all-star coach without having domain expertise. Um, but it's amazing how far bad coaching can take you, right? Bad coaching can have a really great outcome. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> that's cool. Um, so um, how how important is uh, the, the the personal report that you, you can have with the client? 
can a coach work well with a, a client where there is little chemistry or or even a, a little bit of antipathy or of, of, of lack of sympathy? Having some level of trust is important, um, but the most basic level of trust is, do you trust that I have your best interests in mind? Um, and, you know, can you, can you hold the best interests of a narcissist in mind while thinking that they're not a very great person? Yes, you can. Um, does it happen that often? No, not really. Mm -hmm. uh, there was a coaching workshop that I did at the end of February specifically on coaching narcissists. It was really fun to sort of to play with that. Um, and it absolutely can be done. Um, it takes a certain kind of individual who is able to hold that space um, and really keep the best interests of a narcissist in mind while perhaps thinking to themselves, hmm, this is probably not someone that I would particularly care to have a relationship with, right? But I can still serve them while wearing my coaching hat. And, and um, does that mean that that the worldview and the values of a coach can potentially, in the mind of the coach, lead the client on a path of personal development where they become a better person and someone around them could say, wow, I don't recognize you. You are not like you were before. And then that can be judged positively or negatively. I don't know. I am a sociopath. My friends are sociopaths. You make me a better person and my friends will dump me. It's a paradoxical way of putting it, of course. Yeah. But but is that is that uh, does coaching go to that point where you you not only support someone in their in their leadership development and and building a better business, but becoming a better person. Coaching starts from the place of believing that the client is whole and capable and resourceful. Um, we often talk about holding a client capable in coaching, rather than starting from the place of of therapy, for example, where we have a patient and the patient is broken in some way. Um, and so the you know the way that the way that plays out uh, is along the path that 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 the client wants it to. Um, you know, obviously we can make our own moral judgments about what clients we want to work with or not. Every coach has the agency to 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 do that. Um, but you know, I think what I've what I've seen is that you clients clients change a lot faster. Um, when you show up with a simple belief that they can change, right? Often what's holding us back is that we've been, we've come to believe that we're stuck in our ways and that we can't do something different. And someone holding space and saying, actually, I believe that you can. What would it look like? Let's create that space. Is enough to drive something. So, so um, in, 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 in most parts of the world, uh, unless uh, you are in New York, where if you don't go to a psychologist, uh, a shrink, uh, there is something wrong with you. Uh, in, in many parts of the world, to go to a psychologist, it means uh, that, that, that you feel uh, that something is wrong and you want the professional help of that person to find out what it is. 
and and it is interesting what you said about coaching that the assumption is not that there is something broken in you that you are completely able to achieve your goals and a coach is 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 helping you discover your potential yep 100% and i would add that the best therapists i've worked with have started with that assumption as well uh-huh. uh, i think that the the clinical assumption that the patient is broken is is an outdated therapeutic model at this point and and uh, is there an issue of transfer in in uh, coaching as well does the relationship have the potential of becoming too close there's an issue of transference in any relationship i mean literally any relationship can become codependent um and maintaining healthy boundaries and not taking on what is outside of your lane is a very important part of coaching as just as it is in any relationship so let's uh, uh talk about uh, more uh, specifics um i know nothing about coaching actually uh, the reason i i invited on this conversation is to learn about coaching right and and to have uh, everybody following us uh, learn uh, learn as well uh, and and i uh, thank you uh, evandro for alerting sanya about uh, the fact that we are talking about coaching here and uh, both evandro and sanya are welcome to ask uh, questions or 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 make their own remarks and comments while we are speaking and then of course uh, a- after watching the the recording as well but uh, not knowing anything about coaching of course i start just googling about it and uh, the first thing i found is that um coaching coaches and then certifying coaches seems to be a big business and when that happens i am always a little bit skeptical skeptical yeah because i always see it uh, as as a little bit inward looking almost like a multi level marketing type of uh, uh, endeavor uh, and uh, and so one am i wrong two are you certified three um how, how does this world work uh, uh, so over to you on that uh you are not wrong um i am not currently certified but going through the process um unfortunately the the multi-level marketing has worked so that people uh buy certification as a as a heuristic um and there it it does there is a basic level of competence that it guarantees um it is nothing like what is required of someone becoming a therapist or psychologist yeah um now that said i don't think you know well, i don't know what the qualifications are to become therapists or psychologists in in italy but in the states it requires 3 years of training which does seem a little bit overkill um but at the same time you know if you're fucking with psychology you want to make sure you have someone who's trained um so i don't know like i i i feel like coaching certifications emerged because therapeutic licenses were so arduous to get oh. like when i when i look at it i see it more as there isn't a good licensure program for you know there's there's no like psychologist light right and that's kind of what that's kind of what coaching has come to, to come to stand in for um 
And I could imagine that at some point, given how much coaching has, has risen in the last decade or so, could imagine that it will become um, uh, a more licensed profession along the lines of, of therapy or psychiatry, but who knows? So, so um, it, what is the, the arch of the engagement? Uh, how do you start and then you develop and then there is a time whether after, um, you know, a couple of years maybe or, or, or 20 if you are Woody Allen, uh, or, or 40 or never, when you say, okay, I'm done. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I, I think I, we, we did everything we could together. And is it more likely that the client says that or, or that, that the coach uh, says that? It happens in, in both directions. I think about the arc of engagements by starting, starting with clients to define what their overall learning goals are. Um, how, how do they want to change? The question I often ask is, if coaching were a great investment in six to nine months, what would be different? Um, and we start from that place and, and record those goals, and I keep those in mind during our sessions over, over the course of our work together. Um, and when I notice that, wow, it really feels like you've made progress on this thing that you really wanted to work on, um, we talk about it and bring it up. Um, and when you're working with clients in a fast-changing environment, often by the time that you've made progress on the first goal, it's become clear that there's a second or third goal. Um, and so the average duration of a relationship, I'd say, is in the 9 to 12-month range. Um, but in these fast-paced startup environments, clients are constantly learning new things. Um, and often if I, if I get to a point where I say to a client, wow, you've really grown a lot. It feels like we've made progress on the things that you, that you wanted to. What do you want to work on now? Um, if, there's, if there's not a great answer to that question, we say, okay, let's press pause and in three months, pick this up and, and see where it makes sense to work. And three, month, three months away is a, is a million years in startup time, of course. Um, and so there's often new challenges and new things to work on just around the corner. So the, the types of, of uh, walk me through um, at, at the initial assessment, let's say. Uh, evidently, you don't help somebody learn how to build a better website or how to uh, learn to use the Google uh, suite or, 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 or things like that, right? Uh, or, or even more advanced, I don't know, how to uh, uh, scale on AWS. And these are all little or big startup challenges or, or growth hacking or better manage social media. These are, these are skills that are one, well identified, and two, uh, either you can acquire them or find somebody who has them. So intuitively, it would seem completely out of the scope of, of a coach. But what, on the other hand, what would you define as, as you have the first uh, conversations with the client? Give, give me a few examples of the areas that, that you would address that recur frequently, for example. The most common areas that we work on are things like, I want to get better at taking emotional risks. Um, I want to get better at delegating. Um, I want to get better at trusting more. 
Um, I want to get better at listening. The kinds of things that enable you to be a better leader and scale scale your own time effectively. Right. One of the challenges as a leader is knowing when to zoom in and zoom out. Um, and a lot of the challenges that I often work work with are related to that problem. What What about people? Because knowing what you want is fantastic. <laughs> If I knew what I wanted, phew, I would be on the moon. Uh, uh, and I'm only half joking. But um, I think it is very common that somebody realizes that they need help. Mm -hmm. Not to they go don't to the truth, but, but uh, maybe they talk to friends and they say, listen, I, I see that you are under enormous stress. You are running this startup. You, it's draining your energy. You are running the risk of being of burning out. And and uh, I had get great help from Dale, and I would recommend you having a chat with him. And then I listened to my friend, and I hit you up. We have a initial session, but I don't come to you knowing what I want. I just know that I'm listening to my friend's advice. And and I am having a hard time stepping up to the challenges of my startup. Often, often a coaching relationship starts from a, a really concrete work example, right? It's um, I can't get my team to work, to, you know, to to get aligned and work on the right things. Um, this specific leader is just really not listening to me, and I can't figure out what to do. Um, it's, it, it often starts from specific work challenges. Um, and I've seen those enough times that I can start to extrapolate and suggest uh, what the underlying issues might be. And those are things that we explore together. Um, I, I imagine the, the, the sessions to be somewhat Socratic, right? The, 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 the person on the other side would like concrete uh, um, recommendations and you are resisting that because you are not an advisor. Yep. So, so rather than saying things in the affirmative, you are always there with another question and, 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 and the other person feels like they want to punch you after <laughs> 10 because they go like, come on, just it's tell like, me what I have to do. Screen most of the time. <laughs> um, so, um, how long have you been coaching? Full time, going on two years. Two years, and you have a given number of clients. And I don't know whether you ran the statistics. Do you have clients that are more than ten years older than you? Yes, I do. And and is that a proof that uh, either there is no ageism in coaching or that you have been particularly good in overcoming the fact that intuitively somebody would think that the life experience that we typically attribute to people who are older is a good uh, correlate to being effective in coach. I think what I tell people is most important when they're thinking about choosing a coach is to choose a coach who has more of whatever quality they wish to find in themselves. Um, 
And that can be true agnostic of age. Um, and there's, you know, if I, I'm, I'm a bit of a hard ass as a coach um, and also work with people to be uh, more present, but I'm not the best coach for someone who is really high strung and really just needs someone who's gonna calm them down all the time, right? I send them to my friend, Kim. Um, I think part of that is also knowing what my strengths are and being willing to say, hey, you know, I don't think I'm the best coach for you. Um, and there's, you know, probably one or two in 10 coaching calls I have, that's the outcome. And I think to be a really good coach, you have to be comfortable saying, you know, I could, I could help you somewhat, but I don't actually think I'm the best fit for your needs. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, the 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 opportunity of course is for the coach also it hands the courses to improve and to round out the spectrum of of uh, uh areas of of intervention where they can be really effective yep mm-hmm. um now the human relationship and a human component in coaching of course is fundamental uh even though i i bet that there are entire bookshelves in any Barnes and Noble in the self-help section that pretend to give you for $20 what a coach would give you over the course of six months for much more. And, uh, and um, there is a necessary interplay between a client wanting to be effective with the use of their time and their their money mm-hmm. and the realization that it is actually true that this human interaction cannot be uh, substituted by, by anything else. Um, is that the case? Well, what you get from a one-on-one interaction is a human who cares about you, right? And it's absolutely possible to get that in other ways. Um, but what you're getting is someone who, who cares about your, your growth and development, who's going to hold you capable. Um, and that can be really valuable. It's hard to, you know, the, the price tag and value of that in a, excuse me, in a dollar form really depends on what you're trying to learn and what resources you have available. And, and, and what is the, the model in your case? At least I don't know whether... There's a wide variety of ways that coaches uh, are modeling their services or, or just one standard. Um, how, how do you work with your clients uh, in terms of the business proposition? I, I work with clients on a sliding scale. So it depends whether they're an individual or a small company or a much larger company. Um, so that, that really depends. Um, I like to work with clients over the course of several months to start with, to know that we have a chunk of time to work together and make progress. I think it's it's unusual that um, we can make progress in a single session together um, over the course of two or three, absolutely. Um, but like anything, if you're only going to dedicate 50 minutes to something, um, it's unlikely that you're going to see major progress. And and uh, and uh, this uh, sliding scale is is what a percentage of their income or or just a price that goes up as they are able to pay. How how is it? How does it work? More the latter, based on their ability to pay. 
So based mm -hmm. on you know where the, where the company is in terms of revenue or how much they've raised, um, I find that it's it's really important to start from a place of stability and be able to you know not be in need of clients, if you will. Um, and so having a sliding scale allows me to do that and work with clients where they are, um, and not let uh, not let external financial relationships determine whether or not um, I'm the right fit to work with someone. And uh, and isn't it a contradiction that the coaching is so personal, but still you have uh, companies paying for it? How do they how do they sell it to their boards? Yeah, there's there's definitely tension, and this is more true at at much larger companies than at startups, um, where the commitment as a coach is to the individual, not to the company. Um, it's less of an issue with startups um, because, for the most part, the needs and growth of an individual are pretty aligned with the needs and growth of the company. There are absolutely points where that diverges, um, and we have a conversation about that. Um, but you're right, that comes into conflict, though it's much more uh, if you're if you're ser serving the Googles and Facebooks of the world who have a formal HR and coaching program where, uh, you know, you've been assigned coaching, excuse me, turn that off, um, where you've been assigned a coach to, you know, specifically improve something at the at the direction uh, of HR. Yeah. Coaching, even in your own definition, executive coaching, sounds pretty elitist. Do you believe that it is desirable for coaching to be more accessible and uh, to be democratized, or it should stay uh, available and valuable to a, a small section of professionals? I think everyone can benefit from coaching. Um, and how we talk about the words that we use to, to, to talk about coaching absolutely mean things. Um, I think there's a, I use the word executive to define what I do so that it does, so that it, it carries less in common with life coaching, which is often what people are familiar with. Um, because I, it, it, what I do is, is specifically focused on how do I grow with the needs of, of a business, right? It's not, what do I want the meaning of my life to be? Those or, or improve my relationship with my life partner. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, yeah. Exactly. Uh, uh, so so you, you, you position your services, but you also recognize that uh, it can help, the, uh, the approach can help anybody um, and 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 uh, do you see in in the profession um, a desire to 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 broaden the appeal and to find ways to deliver the benefits of uh, coaching to to a larger um, number of people or or those who are in your position are happy to fill up their um, their their book, uh, and and uh, and deliver a certain number of hours uh, per day, and and that's fine. And there is no need to to push 
further? I think as you as you noticed with a number of coaching programs, there's definitely a, a, a desire to push coaching further, whether that's truly to democratize it or to uh, to make money training new coaches. Um, who knows? <laughs> What about what about the role of AI? Um, I uh, was advising a company, and I, I I have to look it up because I haven't been in touch with them for some time. That was uh, uh, incubated at uh, the Singularity University Startup Accelerator, mm-hmm. uh, who were uh, applying uh, chatbots to uh, augment the reach of a single uh, uh, professional psychologist or even psychiatrist so for for severe mental illnesses mm-hmm. um where the the chatbot would start screening and fielding questions and the dialogue and then basically it would sound the alarm so yep. that the human could could intervene uh without pretending to to complete the the conversation and and I felt that was going in a very interesting direction, where also with the improvement of of AI, uh, there could be measurable steps towards the the chatbot to uh, bear uh, uh, a, a larger load. So what what do you think about uh, uh, augmenting your coaching abilities with uh, some uh, uh, bot help? Um, I think I think bots can can provide better coaching than bad coaches at times. Oh. Uh, and as I said, bad even bad coaching can be quite good. Um, I've I know a couple of companies that are that are doing similar things and uh, embedding themselves within teams to expand the reach so that the first couple coaching or coaching questions or screening questions. and if uh, it's d- d- determined that a, you know a need that a issue needs to get elevated, it gets sent to a human to follow up, so I think that will I think that will definitely come. Um, I think the question to me is that same question of what is the value of having a human that cares about you, um, and at some level that is important. Um, having a chatbot say "I believe in you" is a little bit different than having a human say "I believe in you." <laughs> Hopefully, right? <laughs> Hopefully, I mean, maybe I'm wrong. Um, but I... yeah, uh, it, it is it is a little bit little bit like uh, the scientific fact the scientific fact that placebos uh, have a positive effect. Totally. Even when you know they are placebos. Yeah. So uh, so I wouldn't uh, discard the possibility that uh, that um, the bot uh, pushing you uh, would still give you that uh, little jolt uh, that you need. Maybe not. The same as as a human, but the, but something. Um, totally. Now, uh, since we are uh, so strongly uh, looking at the human element, uh, the new world of uh, physical distancing must be really. Um, a, a challenge for your profession in general, and, and maybe for you too, specifically. Are you structuring to be able to coach your clients on Zoom calls or whatever they want to use? Do you think that you will be able to uh, 
start acquiring clients that are completely online from start to end? Probably the last oh dozen clients or so that I've uh, acquired, even pre-COVID, I had never met before. So meeting meeting clients online and working with them online is not entirely new. Um, I think the the uncertainty that is in the world um, is certainly showing up in coaching and showing up in how people are thinking about what it makes sense to invest in as they are thinking about where they you know where where they're spending all of their money in a, a business. So I've seen coaching slow down a little bit, um, which is not unsurprising as everything else has slowed down. Um, but there's so much need for support because there's so much uncertainty. Um, mm -hmm. And I'm starting to, even in the last week or so, I've seen that pick up a bit um, in terms of new client calls getting booked and those kinds of things. Um, and and, and um, your practice has been concentrating in the Silicon Valley mm -hmm. uh, among startups, maybe even San Francisco, I don't know. Um, but um, online, the barriers disappear. Uh, do you think that uh, you would be better served finding a narrower niche, but broadening your geographic reach, or or you are content with serving the the Silicon Valley startup community? I've had clients from all over the world at this point, so it's not just Silicon Valley for me. Um, I'm I'm hesitant to go too na too narrow. As someone once put it, um, if you narrow yourself down too small, you are limiting who you can potentially help. Um, so I'm, I'm comfortable saying, this is what I'm really good at and, and what I know, but I, it's, I'm, I'm not going to turn someone down out of, uh, out of a, a arbitrary boundary or line that, that I draw. Mm -hmm. uh, and at the end, end of the day, um, I think one of the one of the gifts of this pandemic has been that people are much more comfortable working remotely, um, and so I do think you're right that um, it will only expand the access to to coaching and and, and clients. So uh, on your website, uh, Dale Jasper Stephens, and let me also display that as a as a banner. It's long enough that people would forget. Um, people can find and, and, and send you an email and, and engage you in an in initial conversation if, uh, mm -hmm. if uh, they are interested and you are available. Uh, do you charge for the first, uh, I don't know, minutes or half an hour? Well, how, how long is a session typically? Is it the, is it the standard uh, psychologist uh, 50 minutes or how does it work? Yeah, so I, I will do an intro call with anyone for half an hour for free. We'll get a sense of who you are and what, what you want to work on and even get to do some coaching so you get a sense of what that feels like. Um, I typically structure my clients as 50 minutes once a week. I find that having that, having that set time on the calendar is really helpful, um, both so that we have accountability every week as to when we're checking in, as well as so that the client knows, hmm, if this is a thing that I want to talk about, I can bookmark that and you know know that I'm going to talk about it on Tuesday at four o'clock. Um, so yeah, if anyone wants to wants to chat and explore coaching, 
uh, feel free to send me an email and, and we'll find time. Wonderful. Dale, uh, it was wonderful to have you. And uh, thank you for joining Searching uh, for the Question Live. You're welcome. Thanks, David. So uh, thank you, everybody. Thanks for joining us today at uh, Searching uh, for the Question Live. Uh, uh, if you speak Italian, uh, I invite you to join and subscribe also my Italian language uh, YouTube channel. Let me uh, display the URL of that. Um, it goes to davidorban.com slash YouTube Italiano because I don't have enough subscribers to personalize the URL on the uh, Italian YouTube channel. So go subscribe and then I will show you the uh, Italian uh, the Italian. Uh, uh, URL. Actually, uh, just uh, yesterday, I also created this searching for the question dot live. Look at that. That's a brand new website and uh, four letters. You could never have that in a dot com. Uh, and uh, you can go there and you will see both uh, past episodes of searching for the question live as well as the Italian qual è la domanda. And uh, since a few episodes, the latest one I came up with, uh, Pitching Live. Startups that meet uh, investors. And it is not like Shark Tank because the objective is not to humiliate you and to make fun of you. The, the, the objective is to make sure that uh, you have a nice round 15 minutes to present your project with your pitch deck and then questions uh, to understand better what your project is about. Uh, your fundraising efforts, and uh, so uh, that is the latest uh, that uh, that I came up with. So that's it. See you in the next episode of Searching for the Question Live. Goodbye. <laughs>